بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الله صلى الله عليه سيدنا ونبينا الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed us to do things and he has instructed us to stay away from things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our lawgiver and when he prescribes law for us it is for our benefit, our uh, goodness in this world and the world hereafter. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is al-Hakim, the one of eternal wisdom. Everything that he says and does is from this eternal wisdom, this hikmah. Hikmah, al-hikmah al-ilahiyya, the divine wisdom, which we may or may not understand in this world we may understand some components and some reasoning some understanding but we may not understand anything in this world and in the akhirah the realities will be exposed and we will see the ahkam, the commandments of Allah on the Day of Judgment in different forms and in different types of rewards in Jannah and in different forms and types of punishment, God forbid, in Jahannam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does what He does and whatever He has instructed us to do is based on his fadl, is based on rahmah, is based on his desire to help human beings go back into Jannah. So in this context, in this vein, we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us certain ibadat and has told us to develop, inculcate certain attributes, ethics, morals, behavior, etc. So it is on this that we need to focus uh, our lives that with the hustle and bustle of the rat race in the dunya, in the world, which, mashallah, uh, inadvertently or willingly we participate in. Everybody's super, super engaged and sometimes engrossed and sometimes submerged in the pursuit of the dunya, of the world. And uh, people don't really take time to focus on themselves. They take time to focus perhaps on their children, on their loved ones, their family members, the community perhaps, but never on themselves. 
that how do I develop myself as an individual believer? What is my own pursuit in terms of my own reform and my own development as first a human being and then as a Muslim and then as a true believer in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So personal development and self-reformation is a major part of Islam. Uh, so Muslims sometimes uh, ignore this conveniently because you can always pass on the buck and blame others if things go wrong. It's easier to say the wife was the reason for this or the children was they were the reason for this or the community is the reason for this or this one is the reason for this. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants human beings to focus on themselves and look into themselves. Wafi and fusikum, the Quran says. Wafi and fusikum, and look into yourselves. Afalat sirun, don't you see who you are and what you are? So, a certain time, a certain period of the day, of the week, must be spent on self observation. Observe oneself and then analyze oneself. You don't need a shrink, you can do it yourself. Analyze yourself, analyze your mistakes, and then be critical of yourself and say, that I'm the one that it perhaps needs the most reformation because I'm guilty of this disease and this deficiency and I make this mistake, I have these faults, I have these blunders, I have these weaknesses. That is how you get into the, 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 the culture of the Sahaba. And more than that, this is how you appreciate the ihsan of the Prophets The Prophets were always very self-critical. When you study the seerah of the Anbiya in the Quran and the Prophet in the seerah, you will see that they sacrifice so many things to develop themselves. And this is how you will eventually have a good Muslim community where Muslims are engaged in self-reformation, self-development, otherwise known as tazkiyah, purification and cleansing and then developing. This is all part of the job description of the Prophet. And this is how he managed the affairs of the Sahaba and developed the personalities of the Sahaba and made sure that their egos were cured from conceit, from showing off, from arrogance, from pride, from backbiting, from hurting others. So the Prophet ﷺ gave some initial social prescriptions and on occasions defined Islam and Iman based on these 
points of self-revelation. Al-Muslim man salim al-Muslimun min lisanihi wa yadihi. So in this hadith, he defines who a Muslim is. Who is a Muslim? So, okay, I mean, if you come to Dar al-Qasim, we'll give you a whole you know, discussion on one whole week seminar on what is Islam, what is Iman. That's not what the Prophet is talking about here. This is the ethical, moral imperative that Muslims must hold firm and they must promote this Islam when they are promoting Islam. That a Muslim is a person from whose hand and tongue other Muslims are safe. So he defined Islam in a social context where you are part of that self-reformation. So what you have to do is sit down at night and ask yourselves, did I hurt another Muslim today through my tongue or through my actions? If I did, then I'm not a Muslim. If I did then, I'm not a Muslim. According to this definition, which is not a legal definition, is more of an ethical definition, where the Prophet ﷺ saw that until every Muslim dedicated his time towards himself, there is no hope for promoting Islam socially or as a community, because when you want to export or promote or to invite others to Islam, the first thing people will say is, what are you inviting me to? Are you inviting me to a social order? Okay, where is that order? Are you inviting me to an economic order? Where is that order? Is it an intellectual tradition? Where is it? Is it academic? Where is it? Is it financial, economic? Where is it? So the order that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to develop within the Sahaba was the order of self-reformation, personal development. That if I am to be a true Muslim, according to the words of the Prophet ﷺ, then I have to ensure that Muslims are safe from me. Nowadays, mashallah, we talk about Islamophobia. People are there to hurt us, which, which is fine. I'm not against that. You do what we, you need to do in order to protect the community, politically, socially, whatever. But the Prophet said, you must protect yourselves from yourselves. If you hurt another Muslim, then how do you not equate that with Islamophobia. Look into yourself. I'm hurting my family, my wife, my husband, my children, members of the community, the Muslim Ummah. How do I protect myself from hurting others? So this sense of security, offering security to one another and to each other, means that I have to be at my best behavior. And I can't be at my best behavior if I'm always looking over the fence to inspect and microscopically analyze the behavior of everybody else in the world and ignore my behavior. 
That doesn't work. That was not the formula of the Prophet ﷺ for the Sahaba. He said categorically that you must make sure that you do not hurt another Muslim with your tongue and with your actions. That is how you get security within the Muslim Ummah. And that was the purpose of the Prophet ﷺ coming to these people who were from the Jahiliyyah. Who were from the Jahiliyyah. They were in darknesses and they were in ignorance. Jahiliyyah. They had no sense of civilizational value. That this is what it takes to be a civilization. That they had some illnesses and diseases and social disorders that were so horrible and completely out of whack that people didn't want to rule them. People didn't want to govern them. Nations will pass by and say, who wants to rule these people? So when the Prophet finished with them, they were the best of the best. And they showed mankind how they can be safe and sound and how they protect themselves. Number one, if you can't protect yourselves from yourselves, then perhaps Islamophobia is a secondary issue. In this community, are you doing drugs? If you're doing drugs, then you are a burden on the Muslim community. You're hurting the Muslim community. It's not a personal choice anymore. You are responsible because it creates insecurity. It creates instability. It creates chaos. If you're abusing your family, then that is not the way a Muslim looks at his life. Then you're creating instability, insecurity. Then family members have to get together and stop you. Because there's no police. You have to police yourself. And this Giram and Katimir, you have your angels over you, they're recording everything you do, but at the end of the day, it's what you need to do to provide security to other people who are part of your life and to others who are not part of your life. This is why the ulama, mashallah, alhamdulillah, of Islam and the Mufassirun say that if a Muslim does not pray, listen to this, if a Muslim doesn't pray, then he is spreading facade in the community. He is causing chaos in the community. He is corrupting the community because of his personal deed. And we think it's about us, us, us isolated. So we get the formula wrong. Our thinking is all messed up. So what we must appreciate is the Prophet came to reform and to refine a group of people who could not be reformed or refined by anyone else except the Prophet. That they developed their manners and they developed their behavior 
the famous hadith where we see a certain sahabiya a lady coming to the Prophet as she's fasting and she's saying Ya Rasulullah I'm having such a great difficulty with my fast something is stuck here and I'm suffocating almost I don't know what to do the Prophet through his basirah Okay, through his nur and through his understanding of how human beings are as a mu'jizah said to a sahabi bring a bowl he brought a bowl the prophet asked her to vomit in the bowl and when she vomited a flesh a piece of flesh came into the bowl and the prophet said you made ghiba. You backbite somebody, and the Quran says that if you backbite, is like eating the flesh of a dead brother. Through the mojiz of the Prophet, the Sahaba saw that this is a reality, it's not fictional, it's not metaphorical, it's not symbolic, it is what happens. And because of that mojiza, he rectified not only the lady, but the whole community. So do you think anyone who saw that after that would ever backbite while they're fasting? No. So this is why self-development, self-reform is a major part of Islam. If you neglect this part, According to the Prophet some definition of a Muslim, you're not a Muslim. So invariably you're going to hurt people. Every time you talk, every time you do things, every time you have business deals, every time you meet people, every time you go to a party, every time you go for dinner somewhere, invariably there's going to be something <coughs> that you're going to do to hurt someone else. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is something we must also focus on as we focus on Islamophobia, that it is up to us to improve our behavior. So when you when you bring in people into mashallah, the glory, the beauty, the ihsan of Islam, you have to become beautiful. Your character has to become beautiful, like the Prophet. If you don't focus on that, then Salat, Sum, Zakat, and Hajj are fine. May Allah accept. But that is not enough. Why? Because these unfortunate traits and properties and attributes and characteristics, they come with us to the grave. And they come with us on the day of judgment. And they will be translated into others and the being. So we must appreciate that if we have pride, the Prophet said that See how huge this is. It's a big deal. In America, you're told to be arrogant in your face, aggressive, super aggressive. If you're not that, you're not seen as a man. Right? That's the culture here. 
In Islam, the Prophet said that anyone who has a mustard seed of pride in him will not enter Jannah. Now you figure, who is your Prophet and who are you following? If Rasulullah is your Prophet, then follow the Hadith. And if this culture is your Prophet, then follow this culture. The choice is yours. Yes, you have to be aggressive and you have to be forward and you have to be a visionary, but you don't need pride with it. You can do all of that without having pride. The Sahaba and the Tabi'een, they conquered all the way from the Atlantic to China. But they didn't have pride. Because wherever they went, if you read the annals of history, yeah. I was just in Spain. So when in Spain, one of the reasons why Muslims were able to go all the way from Gibraltar to almost into France, in a matter of years, just a few years, was because the local Spanish communities were sick and tired of how the Romans were treating them. And when they saw how Muslims are going to treat them, they said, welcome. welcome. They just surrendered without fight. It's recorded in history. Today, would anybody surrender to us? That's an issue. So, now they were super aggressive. So being aggressive doesn't mean to say that you have to harbor pride and arrogance in you. You do it for the sake of Allah, that Allah will reward you, and that is the end of the story. So basically what I'm saying is that self-reformation is a huge part of Islam that needs to be addressed, and you have to address it. <coughs> not a sheikh, not somebody else. You, in your own time, must sit down at night and take an account of your deeds so that you know who you are and what you are. May Allah give us tawfiq. Amin ya rabbal alayhi.